again, everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago. I look to my right, and, there, and lo and behold, it's the great one, Doug Tonus. How you doing, brother? I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm in the, uh, I think we're both in the ring of honor of Chicago Bulls podcasters being two of the originals. <laughs> Congrats. I made it too. I, I, I think so. fully expect to be uh, handily booed and when, I, when <laughs> my name is announced, and I suggest you'll receive a better ovation. You'll be the Phil Jackson of the podcast world, and I will be the, the Jerry Krause, likely. But uh, that's I, I don't know. I mean, you're Why super we... positive. I think, I think uh, you might be the Michael Jordan. Everyone will love you. You, you think know? this fan base is pretty positive based on <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I, think, I think positive people I think are more fun positivity, to listen to. I think that positivity engenders uh, quite a bit of anger. But that said, I mean, I, let's yeah, let's get this over with. Get this topic at hand, you know. Since uh, everyone else has talked about it, I know I've received a couple queries on my thoughts on what happened. I was pretty clear when it happened immediately that it was you know completely inappropriate and uh, not the time to express your displeasure for Jerry Krause and the job he did while he was general manager of the Chicago Bulls, especially with his his wife there. Um, just an appalling exhibition. But that said. I have some additional thoughts since there seems to be a little bit rewriting history in the interim. So why don't we start out with your thoughts on what happened? <laughs> I can't wait for you to say we shouldn't boo Jerry Krause. And I suspect what's coming afterwards is a bunch of stuff about why Jerry Krause wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> but All right. no, my, my uh, thoughts about something it, like that. My, my thoughts about it really were one, you shouldn't boo Jerry Krause. I mean, like, and you should be a little embarrassed if you did like at this kind of event. I think it's super unfortunate that his wife was there, and I think the Bulls really, really hosed this up by not making it clear that she was there first. Um, you know, like, I don't know how familiar you are with, like, the psychology of crowds, but it's like, you know, once one person starts doing something, people who are, like, on the edge are more likely to jump in, and then, then those who are, like, we're a little further from the edge when a bunch of people jump in will jump in even more, and I think that's the type of thing that happened. If they had just put her picture up first, and no one knows who she is, and then said, Thelma Krause, widow of Jerry Krause, here to accept this award on behalf of her deceased husband, like, no one's going to boo, right? Like, the boos continued when they brought her up there because it, like, took a while for everyone to cognitively realize what's going on. But no one's going to boo if they do it that way. And there's this whole air of just idiocy around this whole event like, I was like, like, everyone's asking, like, is Jordan going to be there? Is Pippen going to be there? And, like, they wouldn't say, like, what's going on, you know, with the whole thing and who is going to be there in advance. And they were trying to play coy about it because they probably didn't want to admit that Jordan and Pippen weren't going to be there because it would, you know, like, tarnish the whole thing. And it just kind of is a reminder to me of how we're, like, the only franchise that's completely just disconnected with its, like, greatest players. Like, we're just completely disconnected with Jordan. Right. Why is that? Well, partially because Jordan, you know, went to the Wizards and then owned the Hornets. So, you know, like, he's got other stuff It has nothing to do with Jerry Cross? I'm sure it had something to do with it. But, like, like, yeah, I mean, if they had done things differently when he retired, um, yeah. Anyway, like, it's very sad. Yeah, and I think that had something to do with Jerry Cross, for sure, running Phil Jackson out of town, running Jordan out of town, effectively, Trading Pippen, you know, which was a Pippen was certainly amenable and agreeable and wanting to be traded after the other two guys were run out of town. So anyway, whatever. It just wasn't the right thing to do for fans. You should feel probably in retrospect, I'd imagine most people who booed probably feel a little guilty after like 
fully comprehending his wife was there and what happened. You know, I think, like I said, I don't think most people knew when they started and then just took a while to figure out what's going on. But, but yeah, the Bulls, like, when thousands and thousands of people do something, the event organizers, it's not like this was some crazy thing that no one could have seen coming. You know, they had a, they had a responsibility to, like, think about this in context and put in a few mitigating things to, to kind of prevent it. And I don't think that would have been that hard to do. And I just think this whole thing was just such, such a way it's like rushed and not carefully planned and not carefully thought out. It was like, like an embarrassment, really, for what kind of event it should have been. And, you know, it's, it's a bummer that uh, Thelma Krause bared the brunt of that. And it's a bummer that the event was just really, you, know, you couldn't get Jordan, you couldn't get Pippin, like whatever, like, you know, and I don't know. I'll let you speak. I got a couple more thoughts on the event, but I'll, I'll give you a shot because I've been just babbling forever. Well, I don't blame the Bulls for Jordan Pippen not showing up. I don't think you could have waited two or three more years, and I think it'd be pretty hard to get both those guys to show we'll up get for one of them. reasons that go well beyond. Well, Scottie Pippen, after what he's been pulling yeah. the last two years, and, and Michael Jordan has had a, an axe with the franchise since the day he retired. So, like, yeah, it, unfortunately that is – is true, and I didn't expect either guy when I heard about this happening to show up. I was shocked that Michael filmed the video, yeah. and I was very happy honest, that so, he did, so, and so I was, was fine I. with that. Yeah, I thought that was like the nicest compromise he could make. Like Jordan probably didn't want to completely, you know, kill that kind of bridge between his past and his fans. Like he like probably did that for the fans, but agreed. Absolutely, he did. And where was Scotty's video? Well, that said, I don't, I don't really care. Let's start out with the booing. I never understood the booing impulse on players or GMs or coaches who are trying. It makes no sense to me to boo people who have failed because they aren't good enough. Like I absolutely understand it for guys like Milton Bradley for the Cubs, who was a complete ass who insulted the fans or guys who don't play hard. And I, I I somewhat understood it for Jerry Krause when he was alive for reasons I won't go into, you know, tremendous detail on today but it's definitely not appropriate to boo a man who has passed on unless he's truly evil and jerry Krause wasn't an evil person he wasn't a horrible human being and most of all to do it in front of his widow i mean it was just so reprehensible and so awful and so appalling i was disgusted with it i said so at the time on x so but i must say in the interim since this happened i have noticed this tendency in the past few days to start rewriting history to start bestowing this like undue praise on jerry Krause and his legacy i was conscious during those six titles. Like, I read every inch of the sports pages during those six titles. He took over a team with the greatest player on the planet on it. He made five incredible moves with the draft day trade of Scottie Pippen when he drafted Tony, when he hired Doug Collins, hired Phil Jackson, and a Rodman trade. Everything else is on a spectrum to very good to awful. So, you know, he had a massive ego and his inability, you know, to play in the sandbox with Jackson and Jordan and Pippen led to a dismantling of a title team at least one to three years too early. These are facts. Many GMs likely would have won less with the GOAT. Some GMs could have won more. I don't know. We don't live in a world where that happened. We don't live in this alternate reality. But what we do know is this. Michael Jordan played for another franchise after the Bulls. Scottie Pippen played for a few teams after the Bulls, including the Bulls again after Pax took over. Phil Jackson coached for another franchise. All of these three left 
at least in part, to Jerry Krause. I don't know all the details about it, but that's part of your job, is when you have three legends like that, you got to find a way to make it work. You can't tell your head coach, who Michael Jordan tied his future to in Chicago, after the fifth title, I don't care if you're 82-0, and you're gone after next season. You don't say that. So... I do also know what happened here in the post-MJ era, the Kraus area, and it was the worst five years of my life in terms of Bulls basketball until Pac saved us from that. So, again, a pox and all you who booed him and his widow. But uh, I do find somewhat, I must say, the hypocrisy a bit nauseating. When one considers, like, the hate spewed weekly by a few over the past week who have a microphone about a legend who bled for the Bulls on three title teams, who coached on a 72-win team, who drafted Dang, Ben, Noah, Rose, Taj, Jimmy Butler, Laurie, Kobe White, hired Tibbs. A lot of these same people clutching their pearls about Jerry Krause would be booing loudly when John Paxson enters the ring of honor. So to all you hypocrites, you can pound sand. It was a mistake to boo. It should not have happened. But let's not rewrite history and let's stop showing a complete lack of class, not just for Jerry Krause in his memory, but for some other GMs that have since gone. What say you? I don't want to get too much into Krause. I agree. He made a few really amazing moves that were like really out of pocket. Like trading for Pippen was, you know, it's not just like he drafted a guy. He went scouting, like all the stuff to get Pippen was incredible. And to give Phil Jackson the reins based on Phil Jackson's resume was incredible. So like those and finding yes, Tony correct. Kukoc, given like the state of international scouting, was pretty incredible. So like his hit, those three hits were just like incredible. Um, everything else, I don't really care much about. Even even like Dennis Robin, like he made that trade, but like there's so much that had nothing to do with Kraus in that trade and everything to do with Jordan. Like no other team was gonna take yes. Robin. You know, sort of. It was a good move, but it was like it was so situational, and yeah, but. I want to say, I want okay, one other thing, just to, to, to pivot a little bit from Kraus and back to the organization, which, like I said, I think just really flubbed this up and created this situation. Um, so two things I want to say. One, Jerry Reinsdorf, in an interview with the Sun-Times the day before the event, like, did you guys try to get Jordan and Pippen? I have no idea how hard we tried to get them. I think Jordan sent us a video or something. Then later on, my only regret is that Jerry is not alive to, to witness this. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, why don't, you know, like the owners just like, there's more of this like organizations win championships bullshit. Like, you know what? I Like, obviously yeah, you regret terrible. that Jerry Krause right. is not alive to be here. Like, but like, just like the caustic FU to like Jordan and Pippen. And I get why he feels that way because whatever, like you said, the, the ties between the franchise and the greatest player are broken. But if you're going to throw like a fan event like this, it's just, it's just worthless. Just absolutely worthless if you can't get those guys in here. It's just worthless. And I get you couldn't get both because of God, so much weird shit between Jordan and Pippen too. But like it's just, just stop trying to milk the dynasty for like one more drop of nostalgia and gold. You know, like just... Just stop. Like, all these guys have been honored. It isn't like, like every team is a ring of honor or something. Like, it's just some other BS thing you tried to, to milk into another fan event, executed poorly, and, uh, you know, Thelma felt the brunt of it. I don't know if you saw Casey, and this is the other point I was going to make. Casey Johnson uh, talked on 
I don't know if it was Bulls soccer pregame or postgame or whatever, but he had an interview with Thelma, and uh, she said, like, whatever, it was devastating to hear the boos, but uh, she was so overwhelmed with how many people reached out afterwards that the overall result for her, you know, was like a lot of love and positivity. And, um, yeah, so I thought that was cool, you know, just to hear, like, hey, you know, sort of uh, the, the snapback of... Uh, and the results of it was like just so much overwhelming support that, you know, she felt, she felt really great about that. So, you know, just, just so if, if, if someone didn't see that, you know, it's like kind of, uh, you know, enough people reached out to make her, make her feel better about the whole thing. Absolutely. I think, I, I hope, I mean, I felt so awful for her. You know, I, I actually sent a note to Casey to ask, is there any way you could you know, maybe get some type of message to her that like, Hey, we're, we apologize for what happened. And, you know, like it, I just, I just felt so bad about it. I just wanted you know, so, some type of message to send to her that, you know, it was wrong. Um, and I actually said to her, please don't let the loud ignorance of a few overshadow the vast sympathy of love and support for the many who genuinely care for you and your family. God bless you. Thelma, um, was my note to her again, I think you there, there's two different things, right? I mean, you could still harbor, you know, justified feelings of disappointment and anger about some of the things that happened from that era about her husband, but also understand he's passed away. Like, show some class. My gosh, it's so insane that that happened. But um, let's move on. I mean, I think we've said enough. Everybody's said enough. And I, yeah, I, I think it is a terrible. I think it is a terrible. Sign and I, I always hear this stuff too about like oh Bulls fans deserve better Bulls fans deserve better, and I I just remember all these people just standing and cheering about the stupid billboard and you you really think you deserve better if you're a guy standing there clapping about a billboard about a legend for this team being fired or like booing this Jerry Krause's wife I don't think all of us deserve better I think some of us in this fan base suck. Nobody listening to this, if you're listening to me, you're intelligent enough, or you too, DT, to understand Bull's history and at least get a, a different opinion. But there's a lot of people in this fan base that are just complete freaking morons. I don't know if you feel the same. I think that being a Bulls fan is not a correlator of anything else. So whatever subset of humans you think are morons are, or are jerks or are whatever other brilliant, whatever label you want to throw out there. Um, it, it is going to have an equal cross-section amongst Bulls fans or Thunder fans or Lakers fans or whatever else. Like, being a, fan, being a fan of a team does not mean absolutely anything else about any other personality trait you have in any circumstance whatsoever. And people who think otherwise are morons. You, you're, not, you're not a smarter person because you're a Lakers fan or, or a Knicks fan or a Thunder fan or anything else. You're a fan of a basketball team. That's it. What I mean by that, though, is more so, I don't think there's a large number of fans like you and me in the, in the Bulls fan base. There's a tremendous amount of people who call themselves Bulls fans that if I stopped and talked to them, they'd have no idea what's going on with the Chicago Bulls. And that same cross-section is true of any fan base. I disagree with that. Okay. The Bears fans, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with Bears fans about their number one pick. The team hasn't won a playoff game since 2011. There are far more intelligent Bears fans who pay attention to what's going That's on. That's because there's more there Bears fans or football fans of any team than there are basketball fans. That's true. But that's that's my point. They're just more 
Yeah, because it's like the NFL is a bigger sport. All right, yeah, Whatever. we're going off on a tangent. I don't. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think we both made our point. I think. I think enough Fair said. Enough. Let's, let's let's take. <laughs> it's the It's not interesting either way. So <laughs> very boring. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Let's let's take the bus on the slam dunk street and talk about Zach Levine. Zach Levine has come back. I think the Bulls. What's the record? Four and one. With him back in the game, uh, you know, playing for the beloved Bull. I think they're four and one. Is that right? Does that make sense to me? I'll look it up. I want to say it was three uh, and one he, off the top of my head, but it, no, four and one. Four, four and one. one. They right. beat they beat Charlotte twice. They beat Houston. They beat the Spurs. That's right. Uh, so not exactly a, a, a listing of the the most the dominant Spurs teams without in the NBA, Wendy, but it still counts. <laughs> and then lost <laughs> barely <laughs> lost to the Warriors and the Hornets and, in overtime. Vooch barely. was awesome, but. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Still, All good points. Still four and one. Doesn't played. matter. You, the, the, the wins count, right? Like, we it, lost it, a bunch exactly. of close so games look, at one point, and now we won some close games. So, you know, like. So, the, in those five games, in those five games, here are his numbers only 11 shot attempts per game, which kind of sticks out to me. Uh, feel, so, that's uh, just 11 shot attempts per game, 49% from the field, six three point attempts per game, shooting 37.5%, which is still below where I think he'll probably be. Got to the free throw line four times per game, 80% from there, seven rebounds, six assists, 15.3 points. So his scoring is down, but his rebounds and assists are up. What's your say on Zach Levine so far and his play since he's come back? Uh, I think it is a tribute to Zach and goes against maybe the narrative around him that when he came back, he came back with a goal of fitting in. And, and not trying to be the dominant player on offense. He came back passing a lot more, uh, came back with a lot of defensive intensity, moving the ball a lot more, trying to fit in to what the Bulls were doing well while he was out. And, you know, whatever, like, I don't think Zach gets a lot of credit for any of that type of stuff ever. He's got this reputation as a super selfish whatever player, and I always thought that was unfair and, you know, so whether he does this and plays this way, you know, for the rest of his Bulls career, however long that might last, maybe maybe just another month, um, maybe till the offseason. Maybe and, and, and a maybe, couple more hours. Maybe even longer. Um, but if he continues to play this way, that's, you know, I think that's good. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely room for him to take more shots. But he's come in first trying to help and to do no harm and to try and fit in and keep things going well that were going well. And the result, as we just talked about, is 4-1 and one in, in, in the record books. And so I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, there was a whole narrative that the Bulls were better without him. They went 1-3 in the games, 1-3 uh, in the four games before he came back, and they were frankly waxed by double digits in three of those losses. 4-6 uh, and six in the previous um, – no, excuse me, two and four in the previous six games before he came back. And, and again, every loss was by double digits. So the Bulls are not better with, without uh, without Zach Levine. They're a better team with him. When he's playing like this, I think they're very good. And their backcourt is right now playing at a very high level. I mean, Kobe White is back to almost superstar ball. I've been just blown away with how good he's been over the last couple games, last couple weeks since he had that slight downturn. So I'm pretty excited about this backcourt. And I will go on record here and say, I'm not for trading Zach Levine like right now. Because if some if the trade is D'Angelo Russell, who has a player option for next year, and you know Hachimura, 
and a couple second-round picks. I don't even know if they have a second-round pick. If it's not Reeves or it's not that 2029 number one pick or 2030, you can only get one, not both. I'm not for making that trade. Like, hold on, hold out. Eventually, the Lakers will come to you the more they lose. They're going to eventually make that trade because everybody in the world knows LeBron knows this, that Zach's a better player than Reeves. And eventually, he's just going to say, hey, get me some more firepower in here, a guy that could hit the three and score and put up points, which is exactly what they need. What say you? Are you for trading him for, like, Reeves and Hachimura and garbage, or do you feel would you rather keep him in that case and hold out for, like, possibly a bigger return? It's tough to say. I, I've said this theory before. Anytime you have a player, you should never assume his trade value is going to go up just because you don't trade him now. And Zach's trade, um, um, trade kicker is going to be worth more starting next year, where it's basically nothing now, but next year it, it goes up uh, more when he would be eligible for a 35% deal instead of a 30% deal based on years of service. So I think there's some risk in, in trying to trade next year. Like there's one really obvious thing that's going to happen, the change in his trade kicker, that will potentially make his value even less. So you would be counting on him playing a lot better. Definitely possible, but no guarantee that that's going to happen. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. You know, so I think it's, I think you really just have to decide what are you doing with this franchise? And whatever direction you're going in, you go in that direction. Like, if you see Zach Levine as a piece in this franchise going forward, then you keep him. If, if you don't, and you're like, Zach is definitely not a piece in this franchise going forward, and we're just trying to decide the best time to trade him, then I think you just take the best deal you can at the deadline because there's just as much chance it's going to go worse for you as it is going to go better for you in the future. Now... I'd be completely happy keeping Zach as part of this franchise moving forward. He's young enough you know, to play out the rest of his contract at a pretty good level. I believe that Zach can be a good piece on a good team, maybe more so than, than other people, so I'm totally fine keeping him. But from a management perspective, it's really like, what are you trying to do overall? You know, The things I've said overall is I, I don't think the team is constructed is going to go anywhere meaningful. I, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I mean, and by meaningful, I mean beyond the first round. And so if you can't get beyond the first round with what you have, you, you got to figure out how to make changes to, to do that. And, you know, the changes I would consider at this point would be I would do anything to get off Vooch. I'd do anything to get off DeMar if I can get value back for those guys. I'm, I mean, I just want to get off Vooch. I would try to trade DeMar for value if I can. If I can't, just let him walk next year. I'd trade Caruso for value now. I don't, don't think he's going to be someone who's super valuable for us in the future, and I think you'd get more today than you will later. And then Zach, I think, is, is up in the air. You know, the one thing I'll say is you could move Zach just for expirings, and then you could get a um, medical retirement on Lonzo Ball, and DeMar DeRozan just walks. You're like $90 million under the cap next year. Like, so just getting Zach off the books allows you to really do a lot of different things next year um, and, and rechange the roster pretty significantly if you don't take on multi-year deals. So, you know, you do have you do have options where you can rebuild the roster pretty quickly with all that cap room. You know, if everything falls in in your direction, there's no guarantee you can get Lonzo's medical exception. Just to be clear, but 
you know, you're going you're gonna to have like salary space and, and space to bring in a lot of other players, you know, in the scenario where some of those guys go. And then maybe you just say, whatever, we're going to build around Kobe White, Pat Williams, Io DeSumo, and, you know, see what we get in the draft and, and see what else we can add. And, and now just try to build like a younger team. And, you know, at some point you're going to have to do something to get out of this situation where you've got these, you know, like 34, 35-year-old guys as key components on your team so that that's my overall thoughts i don't know if that's a little windy and rambly for you so it's i guess that's what i like to hear is that you won't mind keeping them and you feel that um i think i asked on a previous poll i don't know what you voted if you agreed with me uh would you be happy if zach levine is still part of this team after the trade deadline would you say yes or no I think what I said to you before, and I think is still true today, is it's hard to say without knowing what the internal vibe between Zach and management is, and Zach and his teammates, and Zach and the coaching staff, and all those things are. Uh, if you can bring Zach in and he can have the right attitude, then I'd be totally fine with him staying. And from what we've seen in these past five games, which now have taken place since I think I made that last statement, all appearances would seem to be that, yes, he can fit back in. He can take a lesser role. He can try to keep things moving the way they were moving and do the right things for the team. Like, that's how he's playing right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm content if Zach is still here after the deadline. You know, like I said, the more important thing to me is that we have a cohesive plan about what we're doing. And without knowing what that cohesive plan is, if we have one, it's hard to say how you know, Zach staying or leaving would impact that. But if I had a plan, I would definitely consider if I thought I could keep Zach here and keep him happy, I would be fine doing that. You know, it would depend on what I get back. I don't think he's a must-move guy or anything in any way unless, unless the relationship is burned. And it, it, it doesn't seem like that has happened. So the poll that – my polls that are the pulse of the fan base, I asked that question, what would you guess – what percentage of the fan base said they would be disappointed if he was still on the roster? Disappointed if he's still on the roster? So the percentage that want him gone? I'd say 80% Correct. want him gone. 40% said they would not. They would be disappointed if he was still on the roster. 40%? 60% said they would not be disappointed. Um, would you be disappointed if Zach is still a part of this Bulls team after the trade deadline? I would not be disappointed. 60% said they would not be disappointed. Wow. So that's very surprising. He's kind of built some goodwill. Yeah, I agree too. I was kind of surprised by that tweet. Uh, I mean, that poll results too. Now it wasn't a huge, um, it was four, just under 400 votes. So it wasn't that's, a that's a, enough to be scientific. Responses. I think that's a, like a, I got to check with the University of Northeast Idaho on that. I don't know for certain, but uh, they'll get back to me hopefully this week. Generally, 400 votes is a a pretty good sample size. Your your question would really be just whether or not the the people reading you have uh, similar traits because they like reading you. But but otherwise, like just 400 votes is enough to be pretty statistically significant. That's a good point. I have a lot of disciples following me. Yeah, you might have you might have biases in viewpoint because uh, you know whatever brilliant people like to follow you. And brilliant people like Zach <laughs> Now let's go down this um, alley-oop avenue as I take the bus on a right <laughs> turn. And I want to throw a couple surprising uh, stat totals. Now, I, you're, there's very few people who are more into the numbers than you, DT. But I'd be shocked if you knew some of these answers. So I'm going to look at the totals, all right? And I was playing around. Totals. Can you tell me the top 
the top five guys in terms of defensive rebounds on this Bulls team? Um, well, I mean, I would guess that one has to be Vooch and two has to be Drummond. One, two is correct. Ding, um, ding, ding. Now, number three is what surprised me. Um, it's either Kobe White or DeMar DeRozan. I would guess, let's see, who's, I don't think either have really missed many games. I'll guess DeMar, but it's one of those two guys. Kobe White so is close. number three on the team. Almost had greatness, rebounds. Almost had greatness. <laughs> almost had, you almost touched it. You just almost <laughs> just touched the, the, the sky. that much. <laughs> <laughs> now, in fairness to DeMar, Kobe's played 41 games, so he's played every game, I think, right? I think we're at 41. And he's third on the team with 163 defensive rebounds. He's 33 defensive rebounds ahead of the next player, which is DeMar DeRozan. Again, so just, close pointing, to greatness, Fred. So close. Just pointing this out because I do want to highlight the what Kobe White is doing as a guard. He's also third on the team as a defensive rebounder. He's got positional size. What a great job by where, Kobe White. Where's our so, starting power forward on that list? Our starting – where would you guess he is? <laughs> I don't know. I'd, um, uh, God, I almost feel Are like – Are you ready for should, some disappointing I like news? Should, I feel like he should be next only because, like, I don't know who would be ahead of him. So, I, I don't know. I guess he's fifth. I got some bad news for you. Zach Levine is number five. How on the is team. Zach ahead 20. of him? Zach's missed like half <laughs> Zach, Levine. <laughs> Zach Levine has played 23 games. He's got 115 defensive rebounds. Patrick Williams has played 39 games. He's played, uh, and he's got 108 right. defensive rebounds. I would not have Now, in fairness that. to Patrick, yeah, me neither. Now, in fairness to Patrick, this can't be, oh, no, this can't be right. Now, I'm looking at this wrong. Um, oh, yeah, it is correct. Patrick Williams has played 1,068 minutes. Zach Levine has played 813 minutes. Yeah, that makes and sense. And he has got seven more offensive uh, defensive rebounds. That That is a pathetic, pathetic stat. I think you would agree, right? Well, so we, we know Pat's everybody not else a is preaching patience. <laughs> what? We What's know that? Pat's not a great rebounder. I was, I was kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. I did, I did think he would be fifth only because I. But it makes sense when you say the minutes. It makes sense when you say the minutes. That like Zach plays more minutes per game. So even though he's missed so many games, the minute total is actually no. not as big a difference. I mean, Zach's played. Well, more. yeah, but he he's still got a almost like Doug. He's over two hundred and fifty more minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it, are you kidding me? Yeah, okay. I mean, all right, all right. Look, I don't I, unless you want to just go down ripping on Pat Lane um, or whatever. <laughs> all right, let's let's not go down that road. We <laughs> okay. know the consequences could be ugly. Let's do <laughs> okay. offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds. Let's throw them out. Um, I well, I, Drummond is definitely number one on offensive rebounds. I'd still guess Vucci. He's got one hundred and thirty-seven. You're correct. One hundred and thirty-seven offensive rebounds. So to put that in perspective, perspective, Andre Drummond has more offensive rebounds than uh, def, than one two. He's got a than. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Patrick Williams uh, have off, uh, defensive rebounds. What a stat. Go on. Uh, number two is going to be Nikola Vucevic. And That's number correct. 96. Is going well to be behind. Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig is, is, is third on the team with 50 uh, in 572 minutes. Patrick Williams, who's played twice as much, is fourth. And number five, take a guess. Uh... Let's see. Well, Kobe White had a lot of rebounds. <laughs> I, I think his are mostly defensive. He's players. eighth. Um, Alex Crusoe. 
El Caruso, correct. Well done. Well done. Are you enjoying this? I am. I, can, we, can we do some more? I'm a little, I got my right, sweaty. I'm more. a little stressed out. You, you put me in with like a high level of reputation. Well, Alley Oop Avenue is filled with potholes, so I understand why. <laughs> Let's do three-point attempts. Three-point attempts. Three-point attempts for this team. What's that? Okay. Uh, so one, two, and three? Yeah, go one, yeah, two, three uh, for three-point attempts. Kobe White, Zach Levine... And then, uh, Jesus, I don't know who would be three. Um, Alex Crusoe is number three. Vooch, number three, which oh, is 28%. Well, anytime you line. can be the worst three-point shooter on the team and still be up there in attempts, you got to do it. <laughs> and in the league, I think, for that many attempts, to be honest with you. Kobe White, 29, 296 three-point attempts. He's so got to right be away. like double anyone else, like. His dude. I mean, Very Zach close. would be Zach. Zach would be right there if it weren't for the missed games. Like those two are just like head and shoulders above everyone else. After that, I was, I, I was like, it's got to be close between like the next five guys. Like after that, Zach Levine with one sixty, Vooch with one forty four, Javon, Javon Carter. Talk about a world class chucker with one forty three. So to put that in perspective, that. how does he play enough minutes to get like he's just got to come in firing. <laughs> he's 569 minutes and 143 attempts. It's unbelievable the level there. of Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. The level of Chuck from Javon <laughs> Carter is is unbelievable. And then Alex Crusoe is fifth with uh, 137. I was debating uh, so, it's, between Caruso and Pat Williams as my number three guy. So, if, um, yeah, number five, and I don't know where Pat is, but that's uh, I, was, I was a little off there. Yeah, Pat's at 125. He's at six. Pat's got to get his totals up, man. I mean, come on. That's the best thing he does. He's a 40% three-point shooter. Um, still behind Alex Crusoe is having just a freaking fantastic Amazing year. year from, the, from shooting, yeah, amazing year. 41.6. And then Kobe obviously shooting 40.5 on high volume is, is just incredible. Um, so all good, all good. All right, so let's go to the next stat, which is right. I want to talk about. Are you enjoying this? I enjoy it. I'm like I said, this I'm a little sweaty fun. and nervous, but otherwise I'm doing good. I'm enjoying it. Do you believe we're already at thirty plus minutes? How, There's this thing well, just flew by. I, most of it was probably nonsensical rambling, but yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. Right. Free throw attempts, which Free is another attempts. stat I love. Free throw attempts. Well, Demaris number one. Number one. <laughs> Tamar DeRozan, right? He's got to be like that's correct. That's the closest guy. Two hundred and sixty-five. Um, Let me put this in perspective for you. Demar DeRozan has two hundred sixty-five made uh, has uh, attempts. He's got two hundred twenty-five made free throws. He has over a hundred made free throws more than the next guy has attempts. All right, the next guy has is one twenty-two. Name that player. Oh man, I will. Guess Zach Levine only because, geez, he hasn't played that many games, but he's the only other guy who gets there a lot. I'd say Zach, um, and then it's either Kobe or Andre Drummond after that because they just hack the crap Kobe, out of Drummond. Kobe's number two. Okay. Kobe's number two. Zach, 122. Zach number three. Next one's Andre Drummond, oh, 107. Again, close and to the next one's Zach, but, but so far away. The next one, yeah, exactly. You just... Touching the heavens. Touching. Zach Levine. Zach Levine 102. I believe I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, get ready for the drop off after that. Next one is Patrick Williams with 60. I'm surprised Vooch, he's next. 59. To be honest. I'm surprised he's got more than. He, yeah, Williams has 60. 
he has more free throw attempts than Vooch, which just shows you how unbelievable and uh you know, the great recruiter is, or how poor he is at getting to the line. Alex Crusoe with 56. So, um, I, I thought that was very enlightening. Very, very enlightening that, uh, this team, if you're going to trade DeMar or Zach Levine is going to go right down the toilet in terms of getting to the line. It should be dead last in the league. All right. You ready for the last one? The last one. All right. Let's do points, total points on the team. Uh, I would say Demar, then Kobe, then Zach. Demar first at eight seventy three. Kobe second with seven sixty. Actually, you know what? Not Zach. Third. Take that back. It's Vooch, right? It's got to be Vooch. Vooch. That's correct. Vooch because he's played a lot. He's played a lot. He's, and he's uh, still always he chips in a fuck ton of points at his low ass efficiency. It's good for good for six. <laughs> Hold on, games. Doug. He's did, the I, hub, the uh, hub of the offense. I did, I did some you quick know? math, and I'm like, wait, Zach's averaging like a little over twenty. Vooch <laughs> at sixteen was Zach's missed games. Vooch has got to be ahead of him, and then Zach's got to be four, right? Would you like to address the uh, the notion that's uh, spreading around like wildfire about the hockey assist from uh, Vucevic, how he's the hub of the offense, and without him, uh, everything else would be just horrible? Would you like to address that? Uh, I mean, I think he's. I think he does make good hockey assists, and I do think that is a value he brings to the table. Um, like, I don't think that's wrong. Uh, but like, you don't need to run the center as the hub of your offense. That's not what good teams do, unless they have Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, and you know they could run a better offense with Andre Drummond on it, who scores more efficiently. Doing pick and roll with Kobe, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. like so. And, you know, Vooch doesn't space the floor. He doesn't – what I think is is just like people are just like they just move on from one thing to the next once Vooch proves he's a complete and utter failure at something. Like it used to be like Vooch in the post, and they were like, wow, wow, this guy can't actually hit like a two-foot bunny hook shot, so maybe Vooch in the post ain't a great idea. And it's like, well, he spaces the floor, and I'm like, yeah, 28%. They're just begging him to shoot. And now we've moved on to hub of the offense is the latest – thing where we try to squint real hard and pretend that Vooch is like super valuable and um, yeah, should definitely was a be great playing trade. over exactly. Andre Drummond, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think Andre Drummond is like an amazing star player or anything, but like people talk about how Vooch is this like highly skilled offensive player and like they have almost identical per minute scoring numbers. Like last I looked, which was, I don't know, probably a ways back, but like per minute, they're basically identical in terms of points Except that Andre Drummond gets his points way more efficiently on fewer shots and also draws a ton of fouls on the other team and, like, forces them to put yeah, in a big true. man or he, like, dominates them on the glass, so he actually, like, forces them to adjust. Whereas when Vooch is out there, the other team can play anything, like, on defense because you don't need to defend Vooch anywhere on the court. Like, literally, you don't need to defend Vooch anywhere on the court. You don't need to defend him down low. You can defend him with, like, a guard down low. You don't need to defend him on the perimeter at all because he can't shoot. Like, so it's just, you know, it doesn't force you to do anything. Like, you put, like, a six-foot-five guy on Drummond and, like, you're never going to get a rebound again in your life. So, yeah, I, whatever. It is what it is. I'm, we got to stop this, Doug. There's gonna, there's gonna, I can hear people all over the city groaning at your attempts to Oh, whatever. They've been groaning for years. about the great recruiter. They've been groaning right, for let's years. Let's go on. <laughs> 
let's, let's go on. So we so it, the answer was Demar was number one with po- total points. Kobe second, uh, and a distant third is uh, Vooch because he's played a lot. Uh, Zach is fourth, and Patrick Williams is fifth. Now, two more stats I did want to talk about: assists, <laughs> hockey, and otherwise. And I don't know how good of a hockey player Vooch is, so I will not buy your uh, <laughs> point that he's a great hockey assist player. Let's go number one for assists. Another eye opener for me. Um, I'd say Kobe White, then Demar Derozan. Demar, Demar Derozan, number one. Ooh, interesting. Okay. By three, by three assists. Not bad. He's played, he's played a couple more games, games. Than, than Kobe too. Or uh, sorry, played, a couple yeah, less, less games. games. A couple less games than Kobe, so that's impressive. Um, two oh seven for Demar, two oh four for Kobe. I think Kobe's passing is like significantly improved. After that, it's got to um, be a huge drop off. But I would. It is. It's got to be either Vooch, Zach, or Crusoe. It's one of those three guys. Um, the hub of the offense is third. Right. Vooch yeah, not bad for the offensive hub. I was I was yep. not going to go at Vooch at three. I was gonna. I was actually going to go with Caruso at three. But yeah, that's that's pretty good. Like I said, I think I think Vooch does a good job, like moving the ball around. Like I, I don't think that opinion of him is wrong. I just think the valuation of it is is overvalued. Like. Enough said. And then the last one I did want to go over was blocks. Blocks. <laughs> is Who's anyone on this on team, team block and... shots? Whoever our highest shot blocker is, it's got to be pathetic. Um, it is. I've, I've, I, uh, Andre Drummond at number one. <laughs> Patrick Williams is number one. All right. With hey, go Pat. Way to make it Which on the board. Which is 30. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's no, he's got thirty leading the team in blocks. Incredible. I would have had him. Got, no, I would have him probably like number three. God, I don't know. Like maybe Vooch is number two. No, Alex Crusoe is number two with twenty nine. <laughs> so Alex Crusoe has twenty nine blocks. He's he's uh, he's played eight hundred and sixty total minutes compared to Patrick Williams one thousand sixty eight. He's got one less block. But, um, you know, they're almost equal defensively, according to some in the fan base. Let's go to number three with Vooch. Okay. 28. So 28. He's he's almost there. Vooch is, is our center, is third on the team in blocks with 28. DeMar's fourth with 26. Andre Drummond fifth with 24. Oh. And number six, let's see if you can get him, with 13. Uh, 13. To win, I, I don't to know. To win like, the – To win the uh, – Craig? I.O. I.O. I mean, like – Javon Carter. 13 is, like, could be He's anyone, got, right? Like, there, if you, like it's just <laughs> so few. Thir- like, 13 is Terry Taylor with two. <laughs> He's got two. <laughs> no, um, no, I meant 13 the, blocks could be anyone. Oh, you know what I was shocked to see, though, that Dale and Terry is uh, 11th on the team in blocks considering he's supposed to be incredible. Um but he's 11th. He's behind Zach with blocks. I don't know that. Like, yeah, I guess it's. I don't point. know how many minutes Dalen Terry has played, but I don't. I don't know that I'd look at Dalen Terry's block numbers as like some. No, his, his block numbers are pretty good. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. played 248 minutes and he's got seven blocks. Um, I think that's probably the thing he does best. So that's not bad. Like if you played, if you go by those numbers, he'd have. Uh, Let's just say also oh, 248 minutes. Let's say he played 1,000 minutes times four. He'd have 28 blocks. He'd be right there with Vooch. Wow. Wow. Well, Incredible. I mean, it definitely yeah. shows we have no shot blocking. We don't have a player on the team averaging a block a game. And, um, yeah, Dalen's up to 20% from three. So uh, another cause for celebration. 
and 39% from the field. Future Hall of Famer. I know he's playing great. Exactly. Exactly. We're already at 44 minutes, and this bus ride has really gone off the off the rails. What say you, DT? Anything else you want to add as we bring this baby in? Uh, we're about to play the Cavs. Uh, overall, I'm feeling pretty good about the team and direction they're going in, uh, despite the loss to Golden State, which I think was a massive. Uh, let me ask you a question, Karma. Fred. You've been asking me questions. Go ahead. All right. So we are. Was it 18 and 21 right now? Is that right? That's correct. Uh, so. Where do you predict the Bulls' final record will be? Nineteen. No, we're nineteen and twenty-two, buddy. Nineteen, 19 and, and twenty-two. 22. All right. So somehow it's off by one, one each. We're, we're almost up to the magic. Did you know that? We're only three games behind him now. Okay. What What um, do you think our end of season fast. record will be? How many wins? Uh, well, I predicted forty-eight before the year. I'd okay. say they're probably going to win four. I, I'd say forty. I think they're on pace for forty. So, I mean, they're, on, you? they're probably on pace for like, I mean, eyeballing it, like 39. But, you know, they, if you look at the last, say, 16 games or so, 20 games, they're probably on pace for more. And then, you know, the rest of the schedule we talked last show looks pretty light. Like, they've gotten a lot of the hard games out of the way already. Um, you know, I had 42 before the season started, and I, I kind of feel like they're going to get to 42. Wow. So, like, if they're getting to 42, they're going to move up in those standings, right? Because right now there's there's eight teams ahead of them. So you're saying they're going to pass the Magic. Well, I, th- Number I think seven the Magic are- could get to 42. They're three games over 500 now, so if they play 500 the rest of the way, um, they would be 43. Like, Yeah, they're three and seven in their last ten with th- three Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Right. I'm not following the Magic day-to-day. I'm just saying, like... You know, if, if you project you, right now, the Magic project is a 43 win team and everyone above them projects better. So 42 at the immediate moment still puts them in ninth. <coughs> Do you feel this team? All right. So right now I'm going to name eight teams that are ahead of them in the standings. Which team will the Bulls pass? Do you feel they can pass the Magic? Uh, without knowing, I don't know, did, like the Magic lose anyone or are they just playing bad? No, I think they're I, just I feel like bad. I've shown I, my I, complete sure. ignorance as a podcaster, and I, I, I should commit ritual suicide or something now by not knowing. There, there aren't any major injuries. Maybe then I don't, I don't think we'll pass anyone. This. I don't think we'll pass the Magic. I don't think we'll pass anyone. The Knicks? No. The Pacers? No. The Heat? The Cavs? Well, the, the Pacers just lose someone? Did I hear like they lost Halliburton, or is that just for like a game? Yeah, they lost Halliburton, but somehow they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. How long is he out that for? is. He's out for a couple of weeks. He'll be back right after the All Star game. I think they're okay. going to be fine. Yeah. Then I, I then no. I don't think they'll pass him. I don't think they'll pass anyone. So I, they could pass the Magic. I'm not saying they can't pass anyone, uh, but there's still three games behind. I, yeah, I would. They're three games behind the Magic. They're yeah. five games behind the Knicks, Pacers, and the Heat. Yeah, and Cavs. And those, and those so like they'll gain a one game on the Cavs if they win tonight. And then yeah, but those teams, those teams are all better than them, and they have a five-game lead. The Magic, I feel like Duke. we could be in their vicinity, but they have a three-game lead. So yeah, I'd all I'm saying is spot in the Magic three games. I'd, I'd give them, give them. That. Sorry, what's that? All I'm going to say by this is my my big point here. The it's imperative, imperative for the Bulls to somehow finish at seven. Because I think the I, I think the Bulls could put a scare into the Bucks. 
I think they could put a scare into the Sixers. I think they could put a scare into every team in this conference. Well, you got to Celtics. You want to get to eight minimum. Yeah, but then you're still going to play the Celtics. Well, but if you get to eight, it's you play seven in the playing game. Oh, that's right. And the winner of that game is seven. And then the loser plays the winner of nine, ten. And the winner of that game is eight. But the key to getting to eight is you only need to win once to make it to the playoffs. You know, and whether you're seven or eight, it doesn't matter. Like seven and eight are now the same. I think, I mean, I guess seven gets home court. I assume that's how that's correct. But you're playing that seven, eight game and the winner will be seven. So you have the same opportunity, you know, if you're eight to, to win a game, you know, you'd rather have that game at home, but you have the same opportunity to win a game and then, then move up to the seventh spot. But you don't want to have to win twice. You don't want to have to win the nine, 10 game and then win the, 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 whatever the loser of the seven, eight game. You know, you, you, you want to be in position where one win gets you in. Well, I'm taking the bus in now because uh, for two reasons. Number one, we're about 50 minutes. And number two, there's a portage on right next to the entrance of the garage. And I need to use it because I drank about a gallon during this whole podcast of uh, tea. Um, So that yields that's gone through my system and is now needs to be removed from my system. Cleansing liquid with a cleansing podcast. I don't even know why I shared this with everybody. I, I but let was me hoping bring the, you were joking, but now that you've doubled down let, on let, it, I see that that's not the case. So as I pull the car into Rebound Road, uh, we're going down Rebound Road, which leads right into the garage. I just want to tell you, DT, this was a very fun podcast outside of the uh, first 15 minutes where we had to dwell on the disaster that happened during the Ring of Honor. And just say, as always, I enjoyed talking bulls with you. I love it. I can't wait to do it again next week. Sounds and great. Thanks do it again next for week. Listening. All right, brother. Until next time. Go Bulls. Until next time.